One last question, please. You have to come. There are lots of questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's a question. Abadaye, uh, it is uh, quite a question. Uh, answer short so that we can get a few more questions. Okay, uh, yeah. just one second. Okay. Uh, certainly, sir. Would you like to take a break? Uh, no, no. Uh, ask me. I, I, mean, I, I am available to continue 24-7. You can keep asking. <laughs> no, the re reason is we have uh, multiple organizations represented here. Okay. And uh, this discussion is hopefully cross-pollinating ideas. Yes, yes. Getting people to think. Yes. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm too enjoying it. Okay, fair. Okay. So Natinji, my question was, um, Reza Aslan had written Zerat, and there was a huge problem that he wrote on Christianity when he was a Muslim. So uh, similarly, Wendy Doniger wrote about Hinduism, and when we, so your tweet, you have tweeted that you can write about it, but it's like reading a recipe, not cooking, or reading music and not knowing music. So when you talk of embodied knowledge, and I'm playing a devil's advocate because if I'm a practicing Hindu, I know it is embodied in the sense of how I practice it. But when I talk to my Christian or Muslim friends, how is namaz not embodied? Or I, I keep saying it's internalizing, but they are like, we are following the Ten Commandments or we are following namaz. How is that not embodied? Excellent question. Let me answer the question. So, embodied, there are different levels of embodiment. Uh, prayer is not embodied in the same level as going deep into your meditation. Because prayer is externally driven. It is happening from within, but is targeting at a deity who is sitting in the sky. A dualist model of a dualistic cosmology, God who is external to the world, who is not imminent, who is certainly not a voice within, but who is sitting out there and I have to obey him. And his message came to, through the prophet in history thousands of years ago in a faraway place thousands of miles away. So the, it is, it, I am separated uh, from the uh, God in distance, infinite gap. It's called the infinite gap between transcendence and myself, the transcendent God. Yeah. And this is monotheism's own view, not, I'm just not saying it. This infinite gap between God and me, God bridged historically through prophets that God chose. I have no access to him. He's got no website, no toll-free number. I cannot click and say, okay, God, hey, here you are. Come on, chat, line on. You can't do IM, SMS with God. There's no <coughs> connection. Because God is not, he's got do not disturb, he's not available. He gave his message to some prophet in a faraway place, in a faraway time. And if I, don't, if I want to know what his instructions are, that's where I have to go. That book is closed, that book is final, that book is perfect, it is complete, and that is how I have access to information. So it is like a CEO who says, I told my HR department, what are the policies, I am not available. You go to the HR department and that policy manual, which is thousands of years old, cannot be amended, it is perfect and complete, so you go there and get my instructions. See, that is one system. It is not right or wrong, I am not denigrating it, I am describing what that system is, how it works, and people who are well-grounded theologians in the Abrahamic religions will agree with this. This is the system. So even though I am praying, I am praying to an to a certain book written far away, long time ago, and through that I am accessing a God that is external. Our idea of embodied knowing is different. Our idea is that the divine is everywhere, is this world. It is not that the divine is the chip inside, like the intel. But the whole thing is divine. It is not only who, what is inside that is divine, but what is outside is also divine. So, since the divine is everywhere, this worship of the divine in form, form 
is banned in the Abrahamic religions as idolatry. So they are not only the divine isn't imminent and available for access, but the divine to consider the divine to be available through this deity, through this form, through this sacred river, through this mountain, through this tree uh, is idolatry. That is what they are told. That this is idolatry. This is why this was the reason given for the, for destroying pagans because pagans believed in these things. Pagans were more like the Hindus. Okay, the pagans believed in these things. So we are talking about two different metaphysics, two different cosmologies. Yeah. So when I say embodied, it means that my body is actually a manifestation of the divine, which is what we call Satchitanant. Yeah. That is the divine as Rajiv. So Rajiv is actually a manifestation of the divine. So are you, so are you, so is everybody. Yeah. So this means that my path need not depend on a historical event. It can, it can give me ideas what so-and-so did in history to advance himself can inspire me. So how Sachin Pandurkar played his cricket can inspire me and I can learn from that. But I am not dependent on that. I could also start my own cricket and never heard of Sachin Pandurkar. It is not considered blasphemy if I say I don't know anything about it and I don't care to know anything about it. It is not blasphemy. I can become a very good batsman my own way. Okay. So the Rishis are people who achieve this embodied state in themselves. When they reach this embodied state in themselves, they have a, a unity consciousness. That unity consciousness gives them access to what is called Shruti, which is the eternal truth, which is not something which was said once to one person called a prophet long time ago and others can't access. Everybody has access to Shruti because every human being is endowed with the Rishi potential. Okay, so, but everybody, every Christian, no Christian is endowed with the Jesus potential. You can ask them, and you can ask a Muslim friend, are you Muhammad? Are you the same? Are you Muhammad? Okay. I can say that Ram inside. Okay. And that is why I do not have to point at a particular temple in a particular direction to have Ram experience because I can just sit in my room and have Ram experience. I can carry the Ram in a little deity in a pocket in my thumbnail and I can say this is my hotspot through this I access Ram. It is like a Wi-Fi hotspot. We can have multiple hotspots. Everywhere we can have a Wi-Fi hotspot, which we call a Murti. Okay, everywhere. There's no limit to it. It is not like the Kaaba is the only Wi-Fi hotspot for the whole universe. Everybody has to tune into that one hotspot. You cannot even have a Kaaba image or a replica of the Kaaba in your local mosque. You are not allowed to worship in your local... You, you can... A mosque is a place where you gather and together you point to the Kaaba for both access. So, that is not a hotspot. You're not connected to the universal through the mosque. Mosque is a gathering place where people come, they point at Kaaba and that is where the beam of God comes from there. So it is one point of access. There is a single point of access for those of you who are in the telecom business. There is a single point of access for the whole cosmos. Everybody has to tune into that. We have a decentralized access. So, it is the same thing you are accessing, but you can access from your house into your deity, I can access from my house, my deity. Not only that, you can access through Shiva and I can access through Parvati or through Durga or through Kali or through Krishna. And these are different access methods, access protocols, because they are different access protocols. So, your system is tuned into a certain access protocol and you love a particular deity and you can access through that and I can access through my method. Now all this is considered blasphemy, it is considered wrong, it is considered dangerous by other people. This is what they destroyed in the pagans. 
Okay, this, this, this kind of a thing about pagans was dangerous to the establishment of institutionalized authority. So it comes down to if you want a church or an institutionalized authority, you better get rid of people who are thinking too creatively. And you better get rid of this decentralized business. You better give them a theology of them depending on somebody. Okay, and they can only depend on somebody if you have a USP, if you have something unique that nobody else can have. And so what you have is that that unique prophet, his teaching in one book, that's the only method and we the institution have, access, have that method and we can teach it to you. So you cannot learn it on your own, you cannot go inside and, and understand it on your own. So embodied knowing is I have a hot spot inside. It is not just the deity out here, there, there, which is how we, it's more easy for me to go to a mandir and be inspired and access that hotspot. A person who is very skilled and very good at it, a little bit later, they don't have to go to the mandir, they can be at home. And they are perfectly compliant Hindu. Okay, sorry for those who are running temples, but you can be a perfectly compliant Hindu at home. And a person who's who's beyond, who's even another state, can doesn't even need an external murti, he's got the murti inside. He's got the divine inside. A lot of Tantra is basically installing the divinity inside. A lot of Gurus, my Guru said that I'm not a Guru who will make you dependent on Gurus. I'm a Guru who will make you self-sufficient and become your own Guru. So you have to download me as an app into your own heart. In fact, when I would call the Guru and say, I've been asked to give a talk on Hinduism in my school. What am I supposed to say? I don't know anything. So my Guru said, you are a Bevkuk guy who you still think that you are the one who has to talk. What about this whole business of downloading the Guru in your heart? So that Guru in your heart is going to talk. So you just have to go there. You don't have to know anything. You just get Rajiv out of the way. I was told Rajiv should get out of the way and let the Guru with it talk. I did that and that is when I started talking. I, I Because it was, a, it was a big hit. I had no, I didn't know what to say, but I, I had this, I'd done a meditation. I'd done some, I'd written down a few notes on what these people are looking for. I really didn't quite have all the words together. But I did what my guru said. I went into silence, I tuned into that thing that I had been, I've been trained to recognize about my Satchitanand and basically got Rajiv out of the way and let things happen. Let that Varni come from within. And those people loved it. Those huge group of people sitting there. I had not spoken like that ever. No training. So then I got confident. I said, you know, this works. So this, uh, this hot spot inside is unique to Hinduism. So I am covering the topic I was given, what is distinct about Hinduism. So uh, uh, this is distinct about Hinduism, that you have the Satchitanam, you have the hot spot inside, the divine within. So when I'm talking about we are not history-centric, that is like a historical book because of a historical event is our only method and only this institution knows how to interpret it properly and we are totally dependent and controlled by them, a very centralized, organized method. We are not like that. The, the, the idea that it is embodied knowing is the ultimate decentralization. It means everybody is ultimately self-sufficient and you should be your own, you should become your own guru. Now my, my guru also said something uh, 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 very interesting. My guru's view on Gita was, Bhagavad Gita was, Bhagavad Gita is Arjun's Gita. It is, it is what Arjun gets out of, out of his guru by question answering, putting his doubt and arguing and reasoning and the guru is teaching Arjun. That is, it takes 18 chapters because Arjun is very mixed up. It takes, and Arjun, uh, that is Arjun's Gita. So my guru would tell me, you should write Rajiv's Gita by questioning me. 
My guru will say, you question me. Tell me what, what's happening in your life. Tell me your dilemmas. Tell me your mix-ups. Tell me your, you know, all the things you can't, you hear there, whatever is happening in your life. Each one of you, the guru would say, each one of you have to interrogate me, question me, reason with me, argue with me, fight with me. And my job as the guru is to keep answering you in wherever you are in your particular life, which is different for every person, such that at the end of this process of over a long time, each one of you got your own personalized Gita, which is your life, your Swadharma. So the purpose of a Gita is to interrogate the Guru to understand your own individual Swadharma, which is not anybody else's Swadharma. That is how, that is what embodiment is.